Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. My name is Ryan Howard. I am your host and king of the boneheads. And joining me this evening is uh, someone from yet another six degrees of Rollin' Bones connection that was made uh, just over the past few weeks. He's got a campaign coming up for a very fascinating sounding game called Gun and Slinger. This is yet another Kickstarter episode, guys, so get ready to uh, cover the mouths of your wallets as they scream in agony. Ladies and gentlemen, Nevin Holmes. Hey there, I'm Nevin. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a game designer, web person, and uh, I, make, I make cool games. Absolutely. Rare Karma in the chat says, howdy. Hey, hey. Sweet. So it looks like we've got uh, got a few people here watching live here to, you know, hear a little bit about this interesting game that's coming to Kickstarter later this week. Yeah, uh, it. Oh, geez, it launches in three days. <laughs> oh, God. Kind of kind of losing my mind a bit. Um, so I guess the, do you all want that the elevator pitch on this or where do I start? Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but the, the way that I like to start the show, uh, as any of you who've watched before know, uh, yes. I've got these yes, questions yes, yes. here that I ask everyone because I find them fascinating. So we'll start right at the beginning. Nevin, how did you get into role-playing? Um, it was actually way back in, it was either like late high school or early college, uh, I had a group of friends friends at the time i'm i'm in connection with like one of them now um and i was just invited they said hey we're playing this thing called DD fourth edition come over and make a character uh and then every weekend from then i i played i actually fell out of it for a while uh after a few games with them and got back into it recently in a ridiculously big way um at the start of 2019, actually. So I've only really been back into it for like a year, and I have just held my breath and dove all the way in. Gotcha. Now, saying that you got your start with 4th edition, I know several of you are pulling your earbuds out and uh, screaming as the steam comes out, but, you know, every edition can be someone's first. I Very don't understand true. the hate for fourth because I've never played it, uh, but get over I have, that. I have, <laughs> I have, I have thoughts about about fourth edition, um, 
and 3.5 and i have, I have thoughts about D in general we don't need to get into that right now <laughs> absolutely so of all the games that you've played uh just through through all of your years of role playing what has been your favorite i don't know if i can answer this um <laughs> There's there's a lot of games that I really like, and they're all like this is kind of a cop out answer, but like mm-hmm. most games that I play are my favorite for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, like I played Echo recently. It's a game where you explore a landscape and describe the corpses of mechs, um, and that game was super super good. I played J Dragon's Wander Home, which is super super good. Um, I played Slayers by Spencer Campbell, which is also super, super good. Like, there's... I can't pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to submit those three for your consideration. Gotcha. And to my friends watching or listening to this, if I didn't mention your game, I'm sorry. Absolutely. And uh, Vincify, uh, again, another another take that's going to make some people... Uh, shout at the sky and and shake their fist as they scream your username in agony. There's a lot of staunch second ed defenders. Again, never played it, have no nostalgia for it, but uh, that is a spicy take. I I think I have, I either have some first edition or second edition books actually in a shelf somewhere. I, I have read through the older editions and I mean, everything is somebody's flavor, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, going back to that fourth edition game that you played, do you remember that first character? Um, I remember my three first characters, actually. Um, there was a homunculus with robotic legs named Zilch. Um, there was an ice ganasi named Mar. And there was this is this one's my personal favorite, a fey touched uh, sorcerer uh, named Karm. He had a pet rat and he was out for revenge, but ended up just being a good a good good boy and couldn't do it. Awesome. So when it comes to those of us who you know run a lot of games and stuff like that, are are, are you kind of the the forever DM? Of a lot of your groups, is that kind of the role that you found yourself in over the years? Thankfully, no. Um, I actually have the the rare privilege of being able to play as much as I run. Um, Vincify in the chat is actually the DM of one of our games, and Dino Jam is in that game, and also my wife. Sweet. And just like all around kick ass graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when you are running a game, a lot of us who, you know, run games, we have this tendency to bring favorite NPCs along for the ride. So do you have a forever NPC? I do. It's Karm. Uh, I bring him back in every campaign that I can. He has since retired from adventuring and owns a bookshop that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Nice. I, I too have turned my uh, one of my first PCs into a forever NPC, so I'm I'm right there with you. It's a it's a vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when it comes to both being a player at the table and running behind the screen, how would you describe your play style? Um, 
you know that ver it varies from game to game uh i typically try to match the the mood of the people that i'm playing with and the game that we're playing in um i'm definitely character focused but i do love to get down and dirty with some action nice gotcha now this is a difficult question for a lot of people because those of us who dedicate a significant amount of time to this hobby thank you rectorships i i do in fact love my my d20 whiskey stone as well <laughs> it's pretty good yep absolutely and it's currently at a 13, which is better than a 10. Yeah, you're above average. Absolutely. That means it's like lukewarm, right? Mm -hmm. A little colder than room? <laughs> yeah. At my, this is a quick tangent, at my Wednesday game, there's this tradition that I kind of walked into when I joined the group. I'm now running for that group, but there's this tradition that I walked into where they have a giant D20 that is rolled at once per player at the beginning of every session called the gravity well. Okay. And the idea is that the higher the number, the more it will pull your dice towards that number. And so if it's a high number, supposedly there'll be higher rolls. It's like a blessing or a curse kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. And they have the gravity well, but me being behind the screen, I am not affected by the gravity well. So I have my own, that being my whiskey stone. So whatever, okay. whatever's facing up, that is the GM's gravity well. Excellent. Gotcha. So, so this question, like I said, it's one that's difficult for a lot of people um, because there's so many great memories tied up at the table. But if you had to pick one that was a, a favorite memory or a fondest RPG memory, what would that be? Um... This is a this is a good one. Um, last year in October, um, my regular group, uh, myself, Dino Jam, Vincify, and Vince's uh, wife Sam, uh, actually all went to a cabin in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere in Colorado. Like the closest town was like an hour away. Um, and this is like the end of October, the beginning of November, and I brought uh, Will Yopst's game uh, Black Mass, which is actually played using tarot cards. And we waited until it was dark, we turned off all the lights, we played by candlelight, and we played this game of being young witches running into the woods of Salem by candlelight in the middle of nowhere. And <laughs> it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Very, very good game. Yeah, that that reminds me. I had a guest on one time. Um, the the horror game where you use a Jenga tower. I just forgot the Dread. name of it. Dread. Dread. Yeah. Apparently, he was playing Dread with a group of people where the lights were turned off, and the tower was over top of an oil pan. So when the tower fell, it made just like the loudest clanging noise possible oh that's terrifying yeah i love that a lot i also hate it don't get me wrong yeah fuck that yeah that's that's like the best worst session ever super good mm -hmm. absolutely well unfortunately we have to go from the very highs to the very lows because we do share the table 
with all kinds of different people. Some of them we, you know, bond with and they become our best friends. I know people from my D&D group were in my wedding. Yeah, but some of them we just don't click with. Some of them we just don't get along with. And then there's a special class of bad player that's often referred to as that guy. So, Nevin, if you have a that guy story that you're comfortable sharing on the air, please hold forth. Uh, I actually uh, kind of um, it's more like a self-acknowledgement um, that that for a group, that first play group uh, was filled with that guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple like genuinely very good people in there, but myself and the majority of that group were we were that guys. It, it, it was tropey. It was our first game. We were young dudes with a lot of anger about stuff and it came out in play uh even as a as a gm i was that guy for a while i had a gm pc and not in like the good cool way it was bad i had a i had a 3.5 railroad railroady campaign with awful puzzles and i'm i was that guy and i'm very glad to say that i am no longer good awesome Confessions of a former that guy, the Nevin Holmes story. I'm not going to write that book, I (laughs) promise. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, now we come to the last of these introductory questions. This one has flummoxed a lot of people, and I'll tell you, the answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. But Nevin, if you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? I'm really glad that this question exists because I get to reveal a deep, dark secret finally for all. <laughs> Rare Karma in the chat already knows. Corbin yeah. already knows. Um, I, I actually, uh, my favorite method of shit posting is to put garbage on T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have many four that are saved but i have a a, a long storied history of making awful t-shirts um i have one that's just a plain white t-shirt with black text that says catholics love bones um (laughs) i have another one that's got a buff minecraft steve on it and it says minecraft is a meritocracy and i'm winning um but i think if there's one shirt that i want to get printed it's a maroon crop top um, with white text on it that says um, McCavity versus the Wolfman, who would win? <laughs> it's it's a lot. There's also a yes, yeah, I'm sure, but we don't need to get into that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, this is this is the question you didn't know you were preparing for your entire life. Yeah, yeah. My my entire from birth to now, this is what I've been living for. Mm-hmm. And I love this question so much. Un- and unfortunately, I can't take any credit for its creation because this is something that I brought over from a podcast I used to do. Uh, and it was a question my co-host would always ask. Uh, and it was kind of his question that, that he created it's a really uh, good question. Yeah, so I, I do it as a tribute to him, but that's that's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. I'll uh, exit stage left. You can back <laughs> my game. Um, that's time, right? That's all you needed? <laughs> well, 
now that we are done with these introductory questions, we do, of course, uh, need to talk about Gun and Slinger. Yes. The, uh, the topic at hand here, launching in three days on Kickstarter. So, Nevin, <laughs> let's go ahead. Oh, thank you, Rectorship. So, uh, n- now that we're here, let's go ahead and uh, give me that elevator pitch for Gun and Slinger, and we'll proceed right. from there. Let me just read this from this handy-dandy copy that I have written up already. Uh, Gun and Slinger is an RPG about a weapon and a wanderer. A maestro and two players as a gun and slinger set out into a dead planet mutated by a god's forgotten child and hunt strange bounties, investigate the world, and unlock hidden powers. During play, they seek to learn the nature of what's hunting the slinger, figure out why the gun is sentient, and discover how the world died. Uh, it's a game that's really geared for short episodic sessions. I encourage people to play it in like seasons, um, and you can play it GMless. Hmm. Also, the core resolution system is Go Fish. Gotcha. So it's not only a small group; it's a short time investment, and it's also a mechanic that people are already very familiar with. More or less, yeah. I've actually found that a, that a few people have never heard of Go Fish, so I am like writing out hmm. the. I I've had to figure out how to explain Go Fish without saying, you know, you play Go Fish. Come on, um, that surprises typically, me. <clears throat> typically, like the first session um, will last like maybe half an hour to an hour longer, uh, but most sessions I've played in have been like two two and a half hours, and the longest quote-unquote campaign has been maybe three or four sessions gotcha gotcha yeah that's that's a really a really cool thing uh that that you've kind of revealed to me there because one thing that i find as a person who's now gotten super into rpgs as my wife can attest from looking at the state of my office there are yeah (laughs) There are a ton of games out there that are really cool, but the idea of getting four or more players together for any kind of campaign of anything other than either the big two D&D or Pathfinder is really a daunting task for a lot of DMs. It is. It is a lot. Um, thankfully, you know, I, I am blessed with a plethora of people to ask uh, including my local playgroup, just like, hey, you want to play this? You want to play that? Um, but it's definitely a big thing, especially since, like, I mean, people have this idea, right? A traditional game, a continuing game of something is years long if you can yep. make it happen. Um, and that's just that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Not Not every game needs to be a forever game, and I try to keep that in mind when I design. Absolutely. And now next we need to talk a little bit about your influences, because I'm hearing a lot uh, just from that short short little uh, elevator pitch you gave there. So I'm hearing Western. Uh, specifically, I'm hearing a lot of Dark Tower as well. But I'm also getting some, uh, some vibes of, you know, Dead Planet sci-fi and even a little bit of uh, Star Wars in there. So what kind of inspired you to uh, to do this game, and, and what kind of inspirations are you drawing from? 
So I've actually never read Dark Tower. I know nothing about it except that it's about a a gunman, mm-hmm. um, and there's a big tower in it that I'm assuming is dark. <laughs> yes. Um, the idea for this setting is actually something I had when I was much younger and like just trying to write fiction. Um, so the setting is like. <clears throat> Uh, unique um but the inspirations for it i've actually got some touchstones written down um definitely star wars like you said uh outer wilds is a big one firefly trigon those are all big ones mm-hmm. um but we've also got nausicaa of the valley of the wind uh legend of zelda breath of the wild um pitch black uh vin diesel's mm-hmm. pitch black oh, is yeah. one of them um and Subnautica is actually one of them as well. Huh. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that that is a very uh, top quality and also very eclectic mix of, uh, of it's, influences. It's a lot. There. This 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 whole setting is basically me just going. There are some things that I really like, <laughs> so I'm just going to put them in here, mm-hmm. and then I made it work somehow. Absolutely. And then uh, Gila RPGs, uh, Spencer in the chat is saying yep. gun and man. Yep. yep. Uh, Spencer, that's going to have to be your hack. That you make <laughs> this. You're not allowed to make anything else. Yeah. Gun and dude. Gun and man. So when it comes to kind of the Western influence, you mentioned this a little bit uh, before we got on the air, but what kind of Western movies do you typically uh, enjoy? Oh, so many. Um, I grew up on Tombstone, if that says anything. Yes. Um, Tombstone's a big, big influence on a lot of what I like. Um, Westworld also. Uh, season Mostly season one. I don't want to talk about season two. Um, <laughs> season two did some okay things. Anyways, um... There was uh God, there was another one, but I'm I'm kind of blanking on it right now, to be honest. But Tombstone's a huge one. Uh, Deadwood, that's what it was. Deadwood's a, a big, big influence. Gotcha. Elfie, I need you to knock that off. Does somebody here like Tombstone? Well, okay, so so Tombstone is like my one A or one B, depending on how I'm feeling favorite movie. Hell yeah! There we go! I have... I have forced Elfie on at least two, maybe three occasions to sit through that movie with me, and I think she's fallen asleep every single time. It's not an action movie. Not really. No, it's not. And I I have to grab these now because uh, I don't know if you know this, but Gunfighter's Ball has a line of tombstone miniatures that are actually like the the historical figures because you can't copyright historical figures. Interesting. And so I've got painted here, uh, and the, this never works when I do it on the podcast, but I've got Curly Bill Brocious. Oh, look at that! That's awesome! I've got Johnny Ringo. Hell yes, this rules. Doc Holliday. Let me hold him the, up here. The, the one, the only. Yep. <clears throat> the tuberculosis man. Absolutely. I've also got Virgil Earp and uh, Texas Jack Vermillion painted. Absolutely. 
but I have Very the good. I have the whole set, so I've still got Morgan and Wyatt. Uh, oh, I remembered. True Grit, the newest True yes, Grit. That is the, that's a fantastic. So movie. good. Absolutely, and I I love the old True Grit too because you know I grew up. My my origin story with Western movies was there was I used to get terrible fevers as a kid. When I would get sick, I'd run a hundred and five fever that's and kind of be out of commission for like two days. That's a lot, yeah. And so one time my mom took me to the library and said, you know, you're you're really not feeling well. Uh, you're going to be on the couch for a long time. Let's get you some Western movies to watch. And the library had all these old cowboy movies on VHS. And so I kind of worked my way through John Wayne's kind of greatest hits. And so True Grit was one of the first ones that I watched. That's good. That's excellent. I still need to go back and watch the original, but there's too much media to consume and not enough time to do it in. Absolutely. But yeah, that Jeff Bridges uh, reinterpretation, because it is an adaptation of a novel, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very good movie. And I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan as well. So that's definitely, yeah, I I love that movie. It's, it's, it's good. Hmm. It's good. So, when it comes to, you know, building this game around kind of the go fish mechanic, where did that kind of fit into this uh, this conception of the RPG? Um, so it actually started as a shit post, like all the best of my games. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some game jam that was going on where you basically put in the titles of all of your games. And it talk to Transformer is what it was. You put in the titles of all your games and it spits out a list of new titles for your next games. And your gun is a gunslinger was one of them. And originally it was going to just be go fish, just be two people. And it was going to be about a gunslinger fighting against their gun in a shootout. Um, and then I just kind of had a realization that using Go Fish as a resolution mechanic could be much cooler than just that. And I just kind of started playing with ideas and figuring things out. And it sort of just made itself as I worked on it more. Um, there hasn't been a lot with this game that I have sat down and really struggled to create or to do right. It's kind of just happened. And there's there's been a lot of like going back and tweaking things to make them better or to make them fit more. But it really is just kind of a thing that happened and happened right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now, John V. Page in chat, uh, John is the composer of my theme music. He, he's mentioned that he scored a Westworld scene for a competition. So I just have to know, John, did you win? It's a very important question, actually. Yes. And also, was this Westworld the TV show, or was this a scene from, like, the, the Westworld movie from, I think it was, like, the early 90s? It's older than me, for sure. Yep, me too. So... When, 1973. 1973? I was way off. Oh, my goodness. You were way <laughs> off. It's definitely older than us. Mm-hmm. It's probably older than everyone watching this right now. I may know one person who it's not older than. I mean, I know, like, I know several people who it's not older than, but as far as, like, the demographics of this show... Okay, Rectorship. Oh, definitely. Rectorship apparently was alive when this came out. So Wow. 
Thank you for outing yourself there, Rector. Now I know who to call. <laughs> Grandparents. And Heart apparently Heartbox no. Plus was, was alive. No, she's it. not. That's that's my artist. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, thank you. I'm calling I mean, I'm, you out, Heartbox. I'm just seeing a list of usernames here. I know who a few of you are. The rest of you could tell me that you're like, I don't know, Gandhi or Lizzie Hale, Something. and I'd believe you. Perfect. Good. Yes. I'm going to stop calling out the people that I know now so they can just go hog wild. <laughs> but yeah, Westerns Westerns are, are pretty big influence. Um, originally, this game was going to be a Weird West game. Mm-hmm. Like just traditional Weird West. You got a Western stuff and you got some weird shit happening. Um, but I actually decided to move away from it because Westerns aren't the... They don't have the cleanest history as a genre. Um, and I also realized that by making a wholly unique setting, I can make it something very, very unique. It's like a, a game that works within the setting and doesn't have to, or works with the setting instead of within the setting. So I've been able to do some very cool stuff by making something wholly unique. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and and one thing that I'll say about Western RPGs as a whole, and this is from my own personal experience of trying to run one, there are a lot of people who, when you say, hey guys, let's play a Western RPG, even if it's a Weird West game like Deadlands, one of my favorite games of all time, <laughs> you say, let's play a Western RPG, and immediately everyone's like, hell yeah, I want to be a cowboy, or I want to be this or that, or this Western trope, or I want to do this, and... Mm-hmm. Then you actually get to the table for the first session, and immediately everyone's already over it. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, I think that what I what I sort of came to realize is that the things that make the things about westerns as as the things about westerns as a genre. Pardon my my speaking. Um, that make this game interesting or that like are important to this game um are coincidentally also like the least problematic and least boring of the aspects of westerns as a genre um people working together to survive in an environment that does not want them there being Mm. a key one um i've tried to pull in like some hopefulness because that's something that's very key uh, being on your own, being a survivor, those are all very, very important things to the genre and to this game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another thing that I think you've done well here is uh, a lot of good Westerns, especially you know if you're talking about the Dollars trilogy uh, that, that Eastwood made, uh, the kind of the pinnacle of his Western career there, um, the sense of kind of lonesomeness or isolation where it's you are in, in the case of your game, you and your weapon against yes. everything. That's, that's very important too. Um, and I think, I think that that actually came very nicely from the mechanics of the game. <laughs> like it, it's a low player count game. 
um, which means it's a low character count. And that kind of ends up making it a very intimate and personal story in a really interesting way. Um, because it, it very much naturally evolves into a story about the relationship between these two characters and also their relationship with violence. And that's something that's very interesting to explore. Um, I do also want to clarify real quick. I don't consider Gun and Slinger to be a true like Western. I, I, mm-hmm. I try to be like very clear about this. Um, it's Western inspired. There are a few key aspects that I took and that I'm using here because they really make some themes in this game like really sing. But it's mm-hmm. it's not like a Western Western. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and really the the main thing that kind of it seems like comes from that besides the themes that you just discussed is the concept of the gunslinger which the the name comes from that that's a very yes absolutely yeah where that concept comes from and how do you in 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 the game how do you kind of play around with that trope and and make it kind of a unique thing to your world i've um basically i've it it really is kind of in the title um but i've taken the two aspects that make a gunslinger the gun and the slinger and i've made them their own entities that are they're very much like half of a whole um they're both whole characters they both have plenty of capabilities and things that they can do but when they are together they sing and they change the world and they change each other Hmm. um a gunslinger the the trope the character archetype all that stuff is a person with a tool of violence and they commit violence. They do violence sometimes with good aims, but there's always the bad gunslinger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've basically taken that and I've broken it down into two characters that each have their own struggle with different kinds of violence. And by working together, they can fight against that with each other basically mm-hmm. it's it's a very thematic thing on a mechanical level the characters have totally different stats totally different abilities um and different themes and dependencies on each other mm-hmm. and one thing that you've also kind of brought in and this is kind of leaving the western stuff aside for the time being um you you've brought in this this role playing game not trope, but concept that I adore. One that was done to me not once, but twice in my two first games that I ever played in. And one that I continuously inflict upon my players, that being the sentient weapon. So, it's so good. Yeah. What, what's been kind of your gaming experience before this with sentient weapons? And, and how has that kind of infiltrated your gaming life? I I actually haven't been in a lot of games that have had a sentient weapon. Um, my main exposure has been in like fiction and just stories and stuff like that. Like there's always a there are tellings of King Arthur's legend where Excalibur is a sentient weapon. There's the classical bardic singing sword. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is just a relationship to mythos um, and I guess 
the way it I don't know that it really relates too much with how I've represented it here. This is kind of just my own take on it. Um, and it basically is just a character that asks the question like, you have not always been a tool of violence, but here you are stuck in a body of violence. How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you reconcile that with yourself, your past and your own beliefs? Mm -hmm. And who does that make you? Yeah. And that, that kind of aspect of who like who who's who's controlling the weapon is something that i feel like makes a sentient weapon interaction in an rpg very compelling this happened to me when i the Cromwell McGuen, my my pc that i fell in love with and very and good name thank you he He's the rangeriest ranger that ever rangered. He's Aragorby one Kenobi. I say this all the time. But the one of the first things that happened to him uh, as I was first learning the game was we encountered this uh, this villain who, in classic D&D fashion, the DM intended for this guy to be a long-term antagonist, and we killed him in the first boss fight. Good. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Don't make plans. Exactly. But he had this weapon, it was a plus two longsword that basically was the form of a scimitar with a forked tongue at the end, which is actually like a, a weapon of Islamic mythology that the player had, that the, the DM had brought in. But it also split into two plus one scimitars, and I was a dual-wielding, two-weapon fighting ranger. So I see this, and immediately my D&D &D player lizard brain goes... That's mine. I know the feeling. Yep, and no one I've else. I've fallen the... for. I've fallen for many a cursed weapon because of this. Mm -hmm. no, none of the other players were like two weapon fighters, so they're like, "Yeah, it's yours. Go for it." And the DM was like, "Okay, you'll have to attune." He he actually had a. You'll good have poker to attune face. for it. He he had a very Ugh. very good poker face. I did not see this coming. Muhammad, you did a fantastic job with this. But he goes, well, you have to attune to it. It's a magical weapon. And I go, yeah, okay, sure. I'll take the 15 minutes and a long rest and attune to it. And he goes, make a wisdom save. And I fail. Ah. Oh, yes. Good. And so for a solid three months of actual time, uh, probably like weeks of game time, my character was just becoming more and more savage because of these long swords encouraging him to to kill. So good. Yes, good. I love it. And this was a oh, character shit. who he was like the last heir of a like completely evil despotic empire that like crushed an entire region for generations and so he was carrying around a lot of guilt about his past already. And then he's turned into a murder machine by these swords. So it became a very compelling part of the game. And then I turned around and did the same thing in my Dark Sun game to uh, a Thrykreen barbarian who had fought his way out of the pit and earned his freedom. Pretty good. I like it. Yeah. It's very good. Mm -hmm. I'm here for this. But you've got this interesting thing going on where it's not just a... 
a sentient weapon controlled by the fiat of the GM. It's a sentient weapon controlled by another player. So how in your kind of playtesting has that played out in game? And and what does that end up looking like for Gun and Slayer? Or Gun hey. and Slinger? <laughs> you make some Sorry, Spencer. Spencer's game. <laughs> <laughs> um it's I think that honestly it's the only way that this could have worked. Um, with the things that I have ended up exploring in this game. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a key aspect of this game, and it's that the gun cannot be fired unless both the gun and the slinger agree. The gun does not need to be in the slinger's hand in order to fire, but they both have to agree. Um, the gun is also not like completely helpless without the slinger. Mm -hmm. um, they make each other stronger, but the gun can still like move around the world. The gun can speak. Um, the gun has more powers other than just shooting. And that's all done through like the character sheet and building a character and everything. Um, but it has ended up playing out um, in wildly different ways in every playtest, actually. Um, in one playtest, uh, the gun was inhabited by a demon that was very much started off being like, hey, we need to we need to kill to get what we want. We need to kill so we can save your family. Um, and the slinger was like, I don't want to kill unless we absolutely have to. And it ended up with them coming up with much more unique solutions to problems. A lot of sneaking, a lot of lying and a lot of bribing people. But it ended up being mostly nonviolent. Um, and then we've had more action-y campaigns where the Wanderer ha was kind of a blank slate character, um, like your Fallout 4 protagonist style, mm -hmm. and the gun was a trapped, like, biblical Old Testament angel, like, trapped in a gun. So very much about, like, fire and brimstone and vengeance and cutting a path, um, and that ended up being a, you know, based on their characters, I made that a much more action-focused thing. Um, and it ended up telling a, a narrative that leans towards, you know, that that side of the of the coin of the struggle between violence and not. Gotcha. So when it comes to the different combinations, uh, I, I it doesn't sound like there's necessarily a a class system, but is there like different archetypes of what the wanderer and what the gun can be? Or is that like in the book or is yeah. that completely yeah, on the there's, players? There's some choices. Um, during setup, you actually, there's, I think right now it's between 25 and 30. I'm still working on it, but there's a big chunk of questions that everyone at the table answers together that defines aspects of the world and of the characters um and that includes like who you are and who you were before you two found each other um and then on a mechanical level um i actually there are three stats that both characters start off with i'm just going to use the gun as an example uh, their starting stats are embodiment of magic sharp for a gun and just a little bit mean um but as you play and you gain uh, braids, which are like the experience, basically, um, you can give yourself new stats. You can just come up with a stat and and put it in there. Um, like, I had um, 
I had someone that gave their stat or their gun the stat. It was something like bullheaded with the best. And they basically used that to be a bit of flavor into the gun and a bit more of defining for the care definement for the character. Um, and they basically just used it when they wanted to be stubborn and like force their way through. If sharp for a gun is like quick wits, then bullheaded with the best is fuck brain. I'm gonna use brawn. Um, you can also then shape, uh, you get to pick like a magical ability um, that you have as a gun. Right now, they are an agent of chaos and an agent of fury, and it's either make random shit happen or light shit on fire. Um, but then beyond that, you get to pick a rune that is inscribed on the barrel of the gun um, that actually shapes how you use magic. And that's like fury and fire, protection and peace, tricks and treason, strength and service, and a couple others. Um and those, like, all of it in combination is what gets you your archetype or your character class. And then as you level up, you further expand on these um, and further define your truly unique character. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So, yeah, the, I mean, I imagine that leads to several pretty interesting combinations. And the idea of kind of making your own stats is also super interesting. And it's something that I really love doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm struggling to think of any other game that's doing something similar. The closest I can come up with is... Uh, the Star Trek Adventure game has different, like, edges that you you come up with a name from, like, a Star Trek episode and you embody that particular sentiment of that quote. But that's even, like, what you're talking about is even a little bit deeper mechanically than even that. Yeah. No, I I, I basically just say, hey, make it whatever you want, like use this as an opportunity to give yourself more role-playing chances and like skill checks. Cause it's fun. Like do what you want. I don't care the game. You already have the game. Do whatever. Absolutely. Um, I've explored something similar to this in another game of mine. That's in development uh, stand-ins for the apocalypse. Um, it's like a GMless PBTA game and there's a stat called motif. And you just define, using a few adjectives, your character's motif and what they are about. Um, it's sort of a, a more guided approach to the same idea, but I just, I love just letting people sit down and after they've done everything, say, okay, what is this character really about or what are they becoming about? Hmm. Because I think it gives you a lot of really awesome opportunities to explore character development that games with your five strength decks whatever right you don't get these opportunities a lot and i want to make something that gives people these chances mm -hmm. absolutely and vince if you're playing as a gun that uh used to be a cat if you're if it used to be one of my cats then the gun will only fire if you don't feed or if another cat is in the sunny spot and then you'll also just sit on everything Mm -hmm. I'm here for Catgun. Yeah. 
That could be interesting. If done right. And I think I think Absolutely. Vince, you, I think you've got the right sentiment there, Vince. That that could be pretty interesting. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. But will you only speak in Mrows? Please. <laughs> so in and out of character. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, when it comes to the actual Kickstarter campaign, uh, what kind of stuff are you offering with kind of the initial pledges, and then what do what will stretch goals kind of look like for this campaign? Um. So. I'm keeping it very simple because this is my first project that I'm doing like this. Okay. Uh, it's the first thing that I'm taking to Kickstarter. I want to keep it as simple to fulfill as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal is 43.50. It's a regular 30-day Kickstarter. Um, and the rewards that you can get, um, 12 bucks gets you the full final color PDF. 20 bucks gets you a full color paperback and the PDF. Um, and if you really, really, really like my game, um, you can back it a hundred dollars and I will write a secret message in your physical copy of the game. Nice. Um, stretch goals. We have two stretch goals. Uh, the first one is by my wonderful, wonderful friend of Viditia Valetti, writer of space goblins. Um, and uh, Space Between Stars and so many other amazing games. Spellcatex, God. Vid has not made a bad game. Um, at 6350, uh, Vid is actually going to write a whole new playset called Sword and Bearer that comes with a new setting, setup section, two characters, and art by Nadir Noor, um, who is just absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at 7250, Adira Slattery. Uh, the writer of Bad Moon, an all-around fantastic, fantastic person, is writing an alternate character called The Demon. Hmm. And that's going to have art by Joseph Rahman and a special sigil designed by Ezra Rose. Gotcha. Oh, and in chat, Dino Jam just... Uh, oh my goodness. That's That's brilliant. That's Magic T-shirt cannon and cheerleader. Hell yeah. As a as a former school mascot, I have to give it to you. That's amazing. You were a mascot? That I, rules. I was I was in fact a mascot. Uh I I went to South Lake Christian Academy in Huntersville, North Carolina, and we were the Eagles, and I for a couple pep rallies and a basketball game. I was Eddie the Eagle. Pretty good. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it it was an interesting experience. It was fun. And I will forever, anytime at work when someone's like, oh, it's an icebreaker. You know, what's something fun about you? I've got a handful that I can always break out. One, I trained as a professional wrestler, and two, I was a school mascot. Both extremely good. Yes. <laughs> looks like looks like Dino is also a, a fellow former mascot. <laughs> so Yeah, she's she's done some interesting things. <laughs> it's an interesting life. It really it I say that like I did it more than three times, but it it's 
That's well, three times you, you more than most people. Your, you lean back and you light a cigarette and you just put your legs yeah. up on the ottoman and you go, let me tell you about being a mascot. I got some war stories. <laughs> back in my mascot days. <laughs> Pretty good. Absolutely. But yeah, as as you guys can see from chat, there are limitless combinations of for this game. Absolutely. In, including a mystical t-shirt cannon. Which... There's um I I did a thread on Twitter early on where I was just like, hey, give me names for gun and slinger hacks. <laughs> and there have to this day I still get like absolutely incredible GNS hacks. Usually as like shit posts from friends, but they're all very good. Mm -hmm. Um Witch and Craft being one of my favorites. Uh Pirate and Ship is another really good one. Hmm. Um, light and saber is one that I'm very excited to see. Mm -hmm. uh, there's pretty much like chimney and sweep. Like you can do anything <laughs> with this game name, and it's extremely good. Damn it, Emma! <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Poop and butt, shit and post. Nevin and Spencer. Nevin and Spencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Roland and Bones? No. No, that's good. That works. Oh, all right. There we go. One one player is the host. One player is the interviewer. <laughs> that's great. Roll for t-shirt question. Oh, no. I don't have an anecdote. <laughs> Good thing I got a bonus to charisma here. That's a one. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but games are good, huh? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one thing that surprises me, and this might be something that uh you, you might have coming down the line that we don't know about. I was hoping for sure that one of the uh stretch goals or a higher uh tier of a donation would get you would be a gun and slinger set of cards. It's something that I thought about doing. Okay. Um, and I, I had some ideas for how I would go about it, but the fact of the matter is um, commissioning a deck of cards, a mm -hmm. fully custom deck of cards is extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's all of the art. I mean, it's 40 something you completely unique pieces of art. Hmm. Um, plus whatever you do for the back design, right? It's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and you know, with Kickstarter, that in and of itself isn't necessarily something that makes it impossible. Hmm. Um, but beyond that, it's the logistics of actually shipping. Um, I actually spent some time talking about this with J Dragon. Um, they were kind of helping me get my sea legs, so to speak, when first starting this, and it was a and it's something that I really want to do. Um, but in order to keep the scope on this small and digestible and to help me not rip my hair out when it comes time for printing and fulfillment, it's just not something that's going to happen right now. Yeah. Understandable. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe when I do the second Kickstarter for, um, Bertrix's, Bertrix's guide to, to nature, we'll see what happens. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause even, uh, 
even Pinnacle with their their Deadland Suede Kickstarter, they mm-hmm. offered a deck of cards, but it was a separate uh, like add on. Not even, I think maybe the highest high level uh, pledge got it, but even then, yeah, I think I think it might have been got an ex- add on. They've got experience and they yeah. know lo- the logistics, and they have a budget beyond the Kickstarter. So like. Yeah. I'm I'm all for a gun and slinger deck of okay. cards. It's just not going to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what you said about the art is is kind of like the the big thing. And then another mm-hmm. thing I imagine is just making it not look like crap on a card. Well, there's there's artists who like specifically yeah. design playing cards. Like uh, Nathan D. Paletta is is someone who I know of that just does card art. Mm-hmm. You can commission them for full decks of cards. Um, but there is like a whole unique approach to like it it's not just that you have to put art on it you have to put the art on there in a way that leaves room for the identifying info of the card mm-hmm. there's there's a whole lot to it absolutely it's funny you mentioned Nathan he'll be on in 2 weeks damn speak <laughs> of the devil absolutely i i am a huge uh wrestling fan so We'll oh be... yeah, Worldwide Wrestling RPG Second Edition. Yep, we'll be. I'm I'm excited. Holding forth on that and and talking about all that nonsense. I I love the chance to do that. I got to, the chance to talk about wrestling for an entire podcast with uh, John Hambone McGuire from Vintage RPG, and that was a fun episode. I bet. Mm-hmm. So. When it comes to the scenarios and and actually having a a world to play in and an idea of what characters are doing, is are there going to be any scenarios kind of in the the core book, or is that largely going to be on the GMs to uh, to come up with as you know kind of the answers to the questions uh, spring forth? Yeah, a, a lot of the setup questions I've designed them in a way that gives you all your plot hooks right there. Gotcha. Um, they're the way that I play test, especially with this game, is we do the setup and then we go from there. Um, I actually encourage the in, in the text, I encourage the play group to before you actually set out into your world, after you've answered the setup questions and made your characters, I tell you to sit down as a group and figure out what you want the story to be about. What do you as a group want to explore? Do you want to focus on the gun, on the slinger, on the twist, on the mutants in the world? Like, what do you want to figure out and then set a goal and then shape your game around that? Um, I have examples in here of monsters and Magitek and all sorts of stuff. And I plan on adding a couple like, oh, there's some bandits, but here's the truth. Go check it out. Like, simple simple scenarios like a couple paragraphs at most okay um because it in my experience and from feedback that i've gotten of others play testing it it is not that difficult to come up with something so i'm pretty confident in in not having to write a whole bunch for it gotcha <laughs> do you know gun and slinger plan the perfect sleepover yeah can't wait to paint each other's nails <laughs> Paint each other's nails while watching Tombstone. That's it. That's a perfect date. <laughs> I don't need anything else. I mean, they don't need it. The gun and slinger don't need anything else. <laughs> and if you don't feel like Tombstone, Sin City. 
pretty good. Because that's my that's the one that switches places with Tombstone. I gotcha. Every every now and then the, the depending the on the mood, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's yeah. And unfortunately, Elfie, my wife, God bless her, has not seen the entirety of either, despite my best efforts. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta start one, and then wait until she falls asleep, like halfway through. Switch it, and then wake her up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's in here, so damn it! <laughs> now yeah. you can't do that. I just ruined the perfect prank. Yeah, that's the master plan. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to ash. <laughs> Pretty good. Yep. Shoot nail polish onto each other's toes. I don't. Out of out of context, that's a real rough <laughs> rough thing to read. Yeah. I. In context, I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how again. At the sleepover. <laughs> yes. Using probably water guns. Mm-hmm. Or wasn't there a thing on an episode of The Simpsons that was like the makeup cannon? It was a makeup shotgun. Yep. You happen to pull like one of the few (laughs) Simpsons references that I know. (laughs) There we go. The Simpsons is evergreen. Really is. Absolutely. They don't... I don't know why they even bother to make new episodes of it, because the old episodes still are just as relevant as they ever were. Gotta make that content. Absolutely. So, I know with kind of the the state of the world being what it is, there haven't been many chances to kind of promote this uh, physically, but once conventions are kind of back up and running... Uh, is that something that you're interested in doing? Is you know taking this game convention to convention and and running it for people? I think that'd be fun. Yeah, um, I've thought you know a, as I've gotten more and more into game design, I've I've thought about going and doing that. Um, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a really interesting interesting thing to see. Um, but you know, once once we return to normal, if ever. <laughs> do you know gun and maggie oh shit <laughs> i'm here for it yeah there we go that might not even be a hack that'll be just that's just core second that's edition that's the game i'm releasing now um but yeah i think i think it'd be really fun to to take this game to conventions and see see if people vibe with it because mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing uh I, I know it would be a low player count uh, for a convention mm-hmm. game where you typically want to get a bunch of people around the table, but it would be super interesting just to see how three complete strangers bond with each other and, and accomplish this particular game that you've you've set forth here, and I feel like that would be a really interesting setting to, to give that a whirl. Definitely. And then the just the idea that if you brought it to Gen Con, you end up with like, here's Matthew Lillard and here's Joe Manganello, and now the three of you have to make an adventure. That'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. The astronomical odds that their schedules would line up just so. 
Yeah, I, I <laughs> I've been told that this game kind of like tricks the the more trad players, because mm-hmm. um, the the way that it's pitched seems like it's going to be very kind of traditional kind of OSR. You come in, you roll dice, you go into dungeons, you, you fuck shit up, and it is not at all that. So it mm-hmm. would be it would be very very cool to get some completely unsuspecting people and be like, hey, guess what? We're gonna talk about the emotions of violence. <laughs> You want to shoot a spider dog? Go for it. How's it make you feel, though? Feels like an abomination of nature. I feel fine. I don't. I don't. It was kind of cute. A wolf spider, if you will. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yep. Again, unfortunately. unfortunately, As a Texan, wolf spiders fuck me up. Unfortunately, I can't take credit for that one, because that was the first monster in the first session of my first D&D game. It's a good monster. Absolutely. Just just put spider legs on things that shouldn't have them. Yeah. Yeah, that... Yeah. Oh, goodness. Spider and legs. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's a GNS hack that requires nine players. Yep. Oh, oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> One for the body, eight legs. You all have to form a consensus. It's like it's like Octodad, but you're playing Go Fish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So, kind of rounding things out, like we said, this is launching on uh, August thirteenth. <laughs> Three days Mm -hmm. from now, as we're uh, doing this live, uh, those of you who are watching it on YouTube or listening on Podcatchers, you will have precisely one day before the the Kickstarter launches, and you said it's going for a month? Yes, 30 days. It'll end around my birthday, actually, so hopefully I get to celebrate. Absolutely. And then from there, uh, what what kind of release date are you targeting? Is this going to be like an early 2021, or is this something that's kind of already written out so it can be out before the end of the year? The game itself is almost text complete. There's I'm constantly going back and making changes, and there's a few, I feel, important things that I want to make sure are in there. Um, but once I sit down and actually, like, get my brain together and finish writing it, the, the text will be done pretty quick. I'm, I, I have written down March 2021 um, as the fulfillment date um, for physicals, but yep. I am, I'm trying to do earlier than that. But I want to make sure that I give this team, uh, I've, I've worked with most of these people before, so I know that they're very good and very quick, but I want to, I want to make sure that we have enough time to do it right and give it however long it really takes. Gotcha. And then I know this is, you know, like way in the future once this thing is actually out and fulfilled, but when it comes to broader distribution, are you going to go through drive through? Are you going to go through itch? Uh, you know, what, what kind of ideas do you have for that? I'm probably going to end up, it's definitely going to go on itch. That's where all my games are currently. Um, I will probably put it up on drive through. Um, just because you should have your big games on drive-thru. Hmm. Um, and then beyond that, I'm not really sure. Um, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but I'm pretty sure floatingchair.club is going to want to have a couple copies. Um, 
maybe exalted funeral will hit me up we'll see but not much not much plans i'll probably do another print run if it if it goes gangbusters um but yeah it's just it's it's basically just like i'll release it where i release it i guess yeah and like yeah that's again we're, we're talking you know 2021 at that point so exactly i don't even know if 2021 exists at this point yep so. absolutely for for some of us it's it's a coin toss whether or not like next week exists so look it's been a hell of a year this mm-hmm. last week <laughs> absolutely and fortunately we have all of these great games that have been coming out to to kind of help us mm-hmm. get through it uh, so, so we're kind of up at the end of our time here, Spence, or not Spence, why do I keep damn, saying that? Damn, damn, again, it. oh my Spencer. god. <laughs> he's in my head, he won't leave. I can't believe this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> One conversation, and you're just right there, right inside my head. He's... I can guarantee you Spencer and I are going to laugh about this for a while. He's pulling the levers. <laughs> I've got a I've got a meme he made that I need to send you. <laughs> Nevin. Yes, that's me. That's my name. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can't even say I'm drunk. I've had one drink. <laughs> what I do at the end of every episode is I like to give the guest time to promote anything that they've got coming up. So, you know, obviously the Kickstarter coming out this week uh is there anything else that you kind of want to put out there uh yeah so first and foremost uh you can check out the kickstarter at bytes.rip slash gns kickstarter that's b-y-t-e-s dot r-i-p slash g-n-s kickstarter um you can check out my stuff uh at nevin.games or at fork20.itch.io um I also, I, I, I do a lot of stuff, like a whole lot of stuff. So if you just want to see everything that I do, you can go to Nevin.games and then there's actually a link to my link tree on that page. Um, I have a lot of stuff. I'm working on a few things on the back burner right now. Uh, stand-ins for the apocalypse is a GM list powered by the apocalypse slash belonging outside belonging game uh, about being in a punk math rock band and saving your town from an apocalypse um there it's it's very very good and very very queer and very very music focused and i love where it's going um just a car is uh i'm still trying to figure out how to describe this it's like an improv party game where you basically play like my cousin Vinny or uh, a phoenix wright court scene um you build a crime and then play the court proceedings together i love it those those both sound amazing they are (laughs) awesome cool well guys that is gonna do it for today's episode uh nevin this has been great this has Uh, been a blast thank you for having me This, this has been a ton of fun guys in chat you were fantastic uh spencer i would like control of my mind back uh but thank you for stopping by regardless um so guys that's like i said that's gonna do it for today's episode uh next week 
Thank you for releasing me, Spencer. Next week, uh, we are going to kind of go back to the Savage Worlds type stuff. Uh, we are seeing the return of the legendary Carl Kiesler and his co-hosts from the Wild Die podcast. Uh, we'll be talking all things Savage Worlds. That'll be a ton of fun. And uh, this Saturday on Danishes and Dragons, I'm being joined by my good friend, David Lindsay. Uh, he just recently wrapped up his first foray into dungeon mastering. He ran Fandelver for a few friends of ours. And I want to sit down over breakfast with my good friend, who I haven't seen in a long time, and talk about this first campaign and what lessons he's taking from it. So that'll be Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Next week, same time as this week, we'll be on, uh, we'll be talking to the Wild Die Pod crew. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And whether or not you rolled a one or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time.